A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. Glad that you've joined me today. Uh, we're going to get you caught up on a couple of stories here, and then uh, we're going to kind of delve into a, a situation in Louisiana that I wrote about yesterday at BearingArms.com. A nine-year-old boy suspended from school, threatened with expulsion, because for uh, a moment or two, a BB gun was visible during an online class session. Yeah, a BB gun. Uh, and because the school district there in Louisiana says that this was a display of a firearm, this nine-year-old, uh, I was going to say sent home from school, but they're not in school. They're all doing this remote learning stuff. But he was uh, told he could not attend class virtually for six days. Because of a BB gun. Yeah, this is not the first case, by the way, that uh, we've seen like this around the country since kids uh, were forced to leave schools as a result of the uh, coronavirus closures. Um, but we'll get to that story here in just a, a moment or two. Uh, I do want to get you caught up on a couple of other uh, items here. Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals on Thursday holding oral arguments in an en banc review of the uh, Young versus Hawaii case. Now, this is a case dealing with the right to carry, specifically in Hawaii, the right to openly carry. Uh, and you got to go back. The Ninth Circuit has this tortured view of the Second Amendment when it comes to the right to bear arms. Back in 2016, a three-judge panel on the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals ruled in a case called Peruta versus San Diego that the justifiable need clause in California's concealed carry law violates the Constitution because the average citizen cannot bear arms for self-defense. Uh, that opinion written by Judge Dermot O'Scanlan. He was overturned by a broader panel of the Ninth Circuit in Peruta, and they, they, they ruled, that 11-judge panel ruled in Peruta back in 2016, well, actually, no, there is no constitutional right to carry a concealed firearm. That's what they determined. Okay. So, right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Ninth Circuit says, well, that right doesn't apply to a concealed firearm, so it must apply to an openly carried firearm, right? I mean, you got to have some way. Uh, so, in the Young versus Hawaii case, a, a man named George Young sued because in Hawaii, you have to have a permit to openly carry a firearm, and you can't get one. Basically, the only people who've ever received one have been security guards. So, a three-judge panel in 2018 in Young versus Hawaii uh, ruled that, yeah, you've got the right to openly carry. In fact, it was Judge Dermot O'Scanlan who once again wrote that majority opinion and reminded his colleagues on the Ninth Circuit, look, I mean, uh, under the Ninth Circuit, we, we don't have a constitutional right to carry concealed, but the Second Amendment says you've got the right to keep, you've got the right to bear. So, if concealed carries off the table, you don't have a right to carry concealed, well, that must mean you've got a right to openly carry. And he struck down that statute. Now, the Attorney General of Hawaii tried to revise the statute. Not the legislature, by the way, but the Attorney General issuing an opinion that, well, uh, as long as uh, there's a, a justifiable need to be on the average citizen, then, um, yes, uh, they, you know, you don't have to be a security guard to get an open carry license. And then on Thursday, an en banc panel of the Ninth Circuit uh, reviewed and heard oral arguments uh, in this uh, case, because the state of Hawaii appealed this up to the uh, en banc panel of the Ninth Circuit rather than taking this directly to the Supreme Court. Uh, so 11 judges 
heard arguments yesterday. Uh, Neil Katyal, who's a, a former solicitor general in the Obama administration representing the state of Hawaii, basically arguing, look, this is a, a longstanding law in the, uh, in the state of Hawaii. In fact, it predates statehood. Uh, and, uh, oh, yeah, by the way, because of this 2018 opinion, uh, basically the, the arguments by the plaintiffs are, are now moot because theoretically uh, non-security guards could get an open carry license. Attorney Alan Beck, representing George Young, uh, disagreed, uh, saying, listen, I, I, even if you want to buy into the, uh, the idea that the attorney general's opinion somehow actually changes the text of the law, which is a real stretch, uh, he pointed out that the broad discretion given to police chiefs to approve or deny someone for their license to openly carry a firearm precludes the average citizen from exercising that right. And so, again, we get back to Judge O'Scanlan's statement uh, in both Peruta and, and the Young case, that if the average person cannot exercise this right, then that right is being infringed. It's not being regulated. It's not being uh, controlled. It is being infringed. And that violates the Constitution. So I'll be honest with you, I don't know what the Ninth Circuit is going to do with this case. Uh, this is a pretty closely divided panel. From what I've been able to tell, there were five Republican appointees, five Democrat appointees on this panel. I've, I've, I've yet, honestly, I've been trying really hard to figure out who that 11th judge was uh, that heard the uh, oral arguments yesterday. And so far, I've not been able to find out. Uh, but this is going to be a closely watched and closely divided opinion, I believe, when the Ninth Circuit uh, on bank panel does finally release its decision, which will almost certainly be after the election, by the way. Uh, and then the question is, what happens? I mean, what does the makeup of the court look like? Uh, if it looks like uh, there's going to be a, 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 a pro Second Amendment majority on the Supreme Court, it's going to be really tough. State of Hawaii is going to have to uh, figure out what they're going to do. Gun control advocates will likely uh, urge them not to appeal, to take the loss. Uh, and to, uh, you know, accept the idea that, well, okay, well, you can have open carry, uh, but, but you still got to have a license to do it. Set up all kinds of, you know, restrictive uh, provisions in terms of uh, the training necessary in order to receive one of those licenses. Uh, that's likely to happen, again, if there's a, 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 a pro-Second Amendment majority on the Supreme Court at that point in time. If, on the other hand, by the time this gets up to the uh, Supreme Court, Joe Biden has won the election, Democrats have packed the court. Uh, state of Hawaii would most likely appeal this case up to the Supreme Court with the expectation that the court would uphold Hawaii's law and, in essence, and in doing so, declare that the right to keep and bear arms doesn't really amount to a right to bear arms for self-defense. So keep your eyes on that case. Now we're going to turn our attention to this bizarre case out of Louisiana. I wrote about it, and I think I even mentioned it on yesterday's program, um, this case out of uh, Louisiana, and I did reach out to the uh, family's attorneys. As you can imagine, they have been a little overwhelmed. So hopefully we'll be able to get them on the program on uh, Monday or early next week. But the, the case involves a, a nine-year-old kid, fourth grader in Harvey, Louisiana, Kamari Harrison, who's at home earlier this month. He's doing an online class. He's actually taking an online test. Now, Kamari shares a bedroom with his younger brother. His younger brother's playing in the bedroom while Kamari is doing his work. And his younger brother trips over a BB gun that's laying on the floor. It's an unloaded BB gun laying on the floor. Kamari Harrison does what any kid would do. He, he sees his brother trip. He reaches down, goes off camera so the teacher can't see him. 
And then he briefly picks up the uh, BB gun. So it's in camera for a second. And he puts it up against the side of the desk so that his little brother doesn't trip over it. There were no threats made. It's not like Kamari Harrison said, teacher, I'm coming after you with this BB gun. No, nothing like that. It, it, I mean, th- th- I was going to, you know, I was going to say this was an accident. It wasn't even an accident. There is no reason why this nine-year-old would have suspected that he would have done anything wrong by picking up that BB gun. The Jefferson Parish Public School System said that Kamari brandished, quote, what appeared to be a full-size rifle. Yeah. I have my doubts about that. I haven't, yeah, I have yet to see the BB gun, but I would really like to see the BB gun because I highly doubt that this looks like a full-size rifle unless you know nothing at all about firearms. Uh, even after the family talked to the school and said, look, it, it wasn't a rifle. It was an unloaded BB gun that he's allowed to possess. School district said, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Still violated school policy and uh, recommended expulsion for Kamari Harrison. Yeah. And then the school district cut him a deal and only suspended the nine-year-old for uh, a period of six days. Um, the Harrison family asking that the suspension be removed from his record. Jefferson Parish Schools on Friday said no change in Kamari's uh, status. And now the, the Attorney General in Louisiana, Jeff Landry, says that he has started an investigation into whether the state and federal constitutions were violated when the Jefferson Parish Schools suspended Kamari Harrison. I am so happy to see this. According to WWL-TV in New Orleans, Landry said that he was alarmed by what he called multiple violations of the state and federal constitutions, but also, quote, blatant government overreach by the school system. He said, quote, for anyone to conclude that a student's home is now school property because of connectivity through video conferencing is absurd. It's ludicrous for this all-American kid to be punished for taking responsible actions, just as it is for his parents to be accused of neglect. Yeah. I Frankly, I didn't even realize that the parents had been accused of neglect here, but that's absolutely outrageous. Now, WWL says uh, Landry's office did not specify which violations of either constitution that the school system may have violated. The attorney general did say, yeah, my office and I will take a deep dive into all the irreparable harm caused by this egregious incident and take appropriate actions. Kamari Harrison's uh, father, Nyron Harrison, said that he's worried that this incident will uh, uh, stick with him. He said this outcome is going to follow him through the rest of his life. That's what's not allowing me to accept their decision. And uh, Chelsea Berner Cusimano, who's the attorney representing the Harrison family, said that the uh, situation was, quote, grossly mishandled. I would agree with that. Now, I, I, I honestly, I, I don't know that this incident is going to follow Kamari Harrison throughout the rest of his life. You know, they, when you were a kid in school, your teacher might have threatened you with this is going on your permanent record. Uh, when I was in third grade, I um, this is dumb. I'll go ahead. I'll confess now. When I was in third grade, I cheated on a, a weekly reader. I know. Dumb mistake. Got punished. This was back when you could get spanked in uh, school, and that's what I chose. I, I could either write an essay or I could uh, get a spanking, and I get a spanking is way easier than writing an essay. Um, that's never come up in like a job interview or anything like that. What happened to me in third grade? So I, I, I don't know that Kamari Harrison is going to have to uh, explain this 
to employers or to, you know, any college that he applies to uh, he's nine now. So what, you know, nine years from now. Uh, however, this was grossly mishandled. The attorney general is absolutely right when he says that it's absurd to think that just because your child is connected through the Internet to the, uh, the, to the, 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 the teaching that's taking place, that all of a sudden uh, your kid's bedroom or your living room or your family room or wherever your kid is actually, you know, connecting to uh, do his online classwork is somehow school property. And that is ultimately the argument by the school district. They're alleging that 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 brief display of the BB gun, the inadvertent display of the BB gun, is the same thing as Kamari Harrison bringing a gun or even a BB gun onto a school campus, which is truly absurd. Now, as I said, this is not the first case that we've seen it. In fact, this is the first case that we've seen involving kids and airsoft guns or BB guns where the police have not been called. So, that, I mean, that's one bright spot here. Because you go back to, uh, uh, I think it was March, uh, maybe it was April of uh, this year. It was last school year, but it was this calendar year. The uh, COVID closures had already happened. Kids weren't coming back from spring break. And there was a, a young man, an 11-year-old, in uh, Anne Arundel County, Maryland, south of Baltimore. And he's doing his remote learning from his bedroom. And on the wall behind him are a couple of BB guns. And the teacher sees this, freaks out. School calls the police. Police show up at the home. They ask to search the home. Mom said she was so freaked out. She was like, I, I guess. You know, thinking back, she was like, I wouldn't have agreed to it, but she, Sure. Police come in, they look, no arrests made, anything like that. However, the student was still disciplined. There also have been two cases in Colorado dealing with very similar incidents. Uh, you know, middle school kids, elementary school kids. One of them was just kind of mindlessly goofing off with like a Nerf gun because he had finished his classwork and he's waiting for the teacher to uh, start the next lesson. Teacher sees the uh, Nerf gun. Police are called. Similar situation uh, in the uh, second case out of Colorado. Police were called, students suspended, and again, the teachers and the, the school districts are acting like this is the equivalent of bringing a gun onto campus. Now, they say that, you know, three stories make a trend, so we're over that now. This is officially, I guess by that standard, a trend, because I, I'm aware of at least four cases since the uh, remote learning began earlier this year where students have been targeted by their schools because of the inadvertent display of a toy firearm, an airsoft gun, or a BB gun. And it's my opinion that parents need to be proactive here. Clearly, this is not something that is only happening in one school district or even one state. And so if your kids have access to a BB gun or an airsoft gun or a Nerf gun, this could happen to them. What, what I would encourage parents to do, and you don't have to start out, like, like, you don't have to start out going, you know, 100 miles an hour here. But I would write an email, and I'd, I'd put it in writing, so that way you get a response in writing. That's pretty important. I would write an email to your kid's school district, uh, and I would ask the superintendent, what is the policy here? 
What's the school district's policy when it comes to, let's say, you know, again, my kid picks up a BB gun, puts it away. You can you can even use some of these previous cases. What would happen? And if your response, the response that you get back is, well, you know, probably call the police or, yeah, your kid be suspended. I mean, this is the policy. Then it's time to go to the school board and contact your local school board member and explain the situation. Look, this is happening around the district. I reached out. The superintendent said, yeah, this would happen here, too. This needs to change. We need a clear, established policy that during any remote or online learning experience, students are not going to be punished for the inadvertent or accidental display of a firearm or a toy firearm, a facsimile firearm, uh, during class time. That's pretty easy. You will probably get some resistance. I'll be honest with you, you probably will. A lot of school boards probably going to say, well, listen, you know, I mean, these are the policies, and boy, it's going to take a lot to change it, and we take student safety very carefully. Yeah, I know, so do I. But this isn't about student safety. This is about punishing kids for being kids. And not only would I write those emails, I start reaching out to other parents as well. Because it's sad, but it's true. If you're the lone voice that's asking about this, you're probably going to get dismissed. If you have several dozen parents who are asking about this, the school district and the school board more likely to take it seriously. Part of the problem right now is that, you know, a lot of the, the in-person, even school board meetings have been canceled. And now it's much more difficult to get FaceTime with the individuals who are setting policies in this district or in your district. But this absolutely needs to happen because we are likely to see far many more incidents of this nature. And each and every one, I got to tell you, uh, my, my outrage meter, often I, I, I think that it's uh, there's something wrong with it. It's, it's kind of broken. I got to tap on a little bit because sometimes I'll see stories. I'm like, I know I should be outraged by this, but uh, I think I'm kind of numb. These stories make my blood boil. They really do. When you've got kids who are, again, being punished for something that is not a crime, should not be an infraction, it just, again, a, a simple case of a kid being a kid, that should not be allowed to stand. There should be pressure brought on these school districts. And again, I'm really, really pleased to see the Attorney General in Louisiana saying that he's launched an investigation here. All right, let's get to today's armed citizen story, our good deed of the day, our uh, recidivist report. We're going to start there. I, and I don't know if this is a true recidivist report because I don't know what, what the criminal history is for uh, 22-year-old Brittany Violet Anderson. But I do know she got a sweetheart plea deal, uh, as did several of her co-defendants, uh, in a, a case dealing with um, originally what was an aggravated battery charge. Uh, this is from uh, Detroit Lakes. Uh, and um, it involved, a uh, again, an attempted robbery. According to court records, this happened back on March the 9th. Uh, Brittany Anderson was one of several people charged in the uh, beating and attack of a man who was uh, jumped in a parking lot about 3.30 in the morning. Victim said his girlfriend asked him to meet her at the parking lot, and while the two were speaking, a vehicle pulled up. Brittany Anderson, two others got out. One man approached the victim and then hit him. And then the guy who got hit, hit back. 
So a, a fight began. As the two were fighting, another person joined in, punching the victim in the jaw a half dozen times. As the victim was being assaulted by the first two people, that's when Brittany Anderson and a fourth individual joined the uh, affray. Anderson kicking the victim in the mouth and head several times. Uh, after the attack, the victim walked to a nearby home, called 911, was taken to the emergency room for treatment. He was, quote, severely injured, according to the police complaint, with a large bulge on his forehead, a bloody mouth, red marks across his face. All five assailants charged with first-degree felony robbery and felony third-degree assault. And then on September the 8th, a uh, judge issued a stay of adjudication and continued the case. So basically, um, we're just going to hold this case over. We're not going to proceed with the, with the trial. We're not going to proceed with the charges. Anderson was ordered to serve 30 days in jail with credit for time served. She's already out. She was ordered to serve 10 more days in electronic home monitoring. Really? A week and a half? Uh, in addition to the 15 days that she had already served in electronic home monitoring. Oh, wow. Well, that makes it everything different, doesn't it? Three weeks on home monitoring. Uh, work release privileges were granted. She was also fined $500 plus $650 in court fees. She must get a chemical dependency evaluation and follow the recommendations, including aftercare placed on supervised probation for five years for kicking a man in the face as part of a robbery. I, I, I mean, calling this a slap on the wrist it doesn't even go uh, far enough here. Uh, Brittany Anderson, and, and it sounds like the other assailants have all gotten away with this. And again, keep in mind what, what, what happened here. Guy was told, go meet girlfriend, hey, come meet me in the parking lot. They're talking. Car pulls up. All of a sudden, he gets jumped. Multiple by four people. And it doesn't sound like any of them are going to do any serious time for the serious injuries that they caused. All right, on to today's um, armed citizen story from Mesa, Arizona, where a woman shot an intruder armed with a knife uh, in her home. He has some scary moments there for that uh, Arizona woman. According to uh, azfamily.com, Mesa police say the man identified as 29-year-old Elijah Jones broke into the woman's home around 3.30 in the morning last Friday, about a week ago. Woman told police she was working on yard work at 3.30 in the morning. I mean, I guess it's, that's when it's cool there in the desert, right? When she heard a loud noise from inside her home, she went to check it out. She discovered that Jones was in her home armed with a knife. He threatened her with a knife, and that's when she shot him once in the chest. Jones taken to a hospital. Once he was uh, released, he was charged with first-degree burglary and aggravated assault. He also, by the way, had two outstanding arrest warrants, according to police. The uh, woman not facing any charges. Jones, on the other hand, yeah, he's facing uh, he's facing some serious legal consequences, at least some potentially serious legal consequences. And finally today, our good deed of the day. This from uh, Butte, Montana, where a police officer saved a woman from a burning vehicle, Nick Batorovich, who is a police officer in Butte, Silver Bow, Montana, saved the uh, woman after pulling her from her vehicle. Officer Batorovich said, I got out of my vehicle Having seen that it was already on fire, ran over to the other car. Some bystanders had gathered at the time, and I just shouted out, did they see anybody get out? And somebody said, no. The driver's still trapped. So then Batorovich approached the car, saw the woman inside, behind the wheel, unconscious. He said the door wasn't stuck, but her seatbelt was. So he had to cut the seatbelt. At this point, he said the fire had actually gotten into the cabin of the car and had started to melt the seatbelt. 
which is when he received a, a minor injury because of the flames. He said, I truthfully don't believe that I did anything that is not expected of any other patrol deputy in the group. Frankly, he said anybody else in the country. I saw an individual was in danger, and I acted just like anybody else would have. Well, I'd like to think that's the case. I really would. But I do know that that's the case for Officer Nick Batorovich there in Butte, Montana, in the right place, at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing. We thank you, sir, for your good deed. That is all the time we've got for you on this edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. want to thank you for being a part of the program. Oh, one more program note, however, before we let you go. So yesterday I mentioned that I had reached out to Sean Caston, the Illinois congressman who says, we, we have got too many guns, we need an Australian-style buyback. Yeah. Said he wanted to have a conversation. We need to start the conversation. So I, I reached out to his office. I would love to start that conversation. Is the congressman available? I'll let you know on Monday if I've heard back. So far, nothing. Absolute radio silence from uh, Representative Caston's office, which is weird because he says he wants to start a conversation. I want to start a conversation. Why can't we make this happen, Congressman? <clears throat> I don't think it's going to happen, but I'll give you an update on Monday. Hope you have a fantastic weekend. Until we talk again, be well, be safe, be free, and we will see you soon with another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company.